Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This, this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. As always, subscribe, download to the Blue Horseshoe podcast. We're coming to you three times a week in season after the game on Sunday. Wednesday and Friday getting you set for the uh, Sunday game as well. So a ton of content coming your way. So make sure you subscribe and download the best way to always stay in tune with the Blue Horseshoe Pod. George, we've really to put a bow on week number one, at least in terms of the game. There were plenty of players. Unfortunately, this is a theme of guys we've talked about, guys the Colts have been relying on. They really did not make uh, a big impact or any impact whatsoever. Who's the guy or two you kind of look at and were really disappointed with their week one performance? You know, I said on Sunday, the unit that I was most disappointed with was the offensive line. And I think people look back at that and say, well, they only gave up two sacks and they ran for 160, 177 yards. Like, wasn't that bad of a performance. I feel like a lot of that was Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor. You know, they made it better than than it might have been had those two guys not been, uh, had the ball in their hands. And the two guys that I think need to step up are, are Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith. You, you can expect if it was Danny Penner and Matt Pryor, I think you'd feel a little bit differently about it. Those guys, last year they were injured. You had the whole COVID situations. And maybe this is just week one rust. You know what I mean? They didn't get a lot of time uh, since last year to, to, to be on the field. And maybe they're going to shake it off. And, and I honestly believe they will. But the, the key here is they better. Because you can't have two stalwart offensive linemen like that not show up the way they did on Sunday. Or Matt Ryan's going to have to make too many plays in the, in the backfield, extend too many plays that, that, you know, throws everything off. I know just looking at the film from my vantage point, uh, nobody mentioned this after the game, but to me, one of the areas that really showed up that third down call right before the missed field goal, Mo Alley Cox is open early in that, in that play. And if they're able to get the protection they need there and Matt Ryan makes that throw again, we're probably having a different conversation today, but the, the pressure came right away. It's just one play, but it's an example of what, you know, needs to change and you end up kicking a 42 yard field goal. Maybe it's a shorter field goal. Maybe you score a touchdown. They need better play from the, from the veteran offensive lineman. We know what they can do. We've seen their best football. They just need to get closer to that now. And you make a good point about Jonathan Taylor. Cause you're right. You look at the box for 161 yards. Oh wow. The offensive line must've been blocking their asses off to, you know, open up the holes for Jonathan Taylor. There were plenty of runs where he is, you know, getting hit behind the line of scrimmage or running into a pile right at the line of scrimmage and was able to find a way to get six, eight yards where it's just like almost Houdini-like. You're right. It was a lot of that was on Jonathan Taylor's vision, his ability to make the first guy miss as why he got 161 yards and not the offensive line blowing, you know, open these holes and these highways for Jonathan Taylor to run through. One area I will say I'm disappointed in, George, secondary. I thought this was one of, if not arguably the best unit on the Colts heading into the season. And two guys specifically, especially Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore in the slot has been one of their best defenders all season long. He got called for a penalty. He's a little late on some coverages. Julian Blackman on the back end got burned on a flea flicker, which look, I know you want to play aggressive, but also in that situation coming out of the half down 10-3, he can't allow anyone behind him. The good thing for the Colts is a bad pass from Davis Mills. Otherwise, that's probably a touchdown 
right away to start the half, which then who, I mean, that's a touchdown right away. Who knows what kind of game we're talking about? Maybe this is a, a loss uh, at the end for the Colts instead of a tie, but it's like, there was the secondary I thought could have played better. And that was a guy, especially Kenny Moore, few flags on him, not really having the lockdown coverage we thought, and really having the tight ends, especially OG Howard and, and Brevin kind of Brevin Jordan eat up the Colts. That was frustrating. That should have been, that should have been an area they exceeded in and clearly did not. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the big disappointing things about that secondary is they didn't get their hands on many balls. You know, you didn't see a lot of pass deflections. You obviously didn't see an interception. You're facing a quarterback like Davis Mills. You're thinking you're going to disrupt him a little bit, you know, get in his head. Uh, it didn't really happen. Uh, I'd say probably the only guy in the secondary who played something similar to what you would want to see is Stephon Gilmore. He wasn't outstanding, but he was good enough. You right. know, he was he was what he needed to be. I think the rest of that secondary needs to step up, needs to needs to make the plays that we thought that they would make. And again, you know, maybe they will. Maybe a lot of this is week one rust, but you can't you can't have a performance like that. You you got to get out there. Uh, there were no impact plays on defense until EJ Speed made the the strip sack in the fourth quarter, uh, and that's obviously a huge impact play. So I'm not going to belittle that one, right? Uh, but you should have seen that at some point in the first three quarters, something similar to that. The other part of that too, you know, when you go to the tight ends, uh, Gus Bradley said it today. The spacing was not good for the linebackers, and they weren't doing really good in the in the man match portion of this. They weren't matching routes. Uh, that's got to improve in a hurry, and maybe, maybe it does with a certain return of of a middle linebacker there who wears number fifty three. And that's it. Like maybe it's you know I think I believe it was EJ Speed who on the second OJ Howard touchdown it was basically in no man's land. Not you know so I get that's not on the secondary and miscommunications. They're going to happen, especially in a first, you know, first year defensive coordinator in the first game. But you really got to be able to clean up because, like you said, they're they're both touchdowns for OJ Howard. The first one was a little bit more contested, but both the second one wide open, both pretty easy throws for Davis Mills. And like you said, there was really no scares for Davis Mills. The completions he had to Brandon Cooks were open. There wasn't like I said any deflections or almost near interceptions. Matt Ryan had more picks and near, you know, near picks. Then Davis Mills, and you never would have thought that, you know, when we coming into the game, uh, as you said, you're coming out of the game. It's you're right. The the back seven, especially, was one of the strongest uh, units and areas for the Colts, and that will it will get a huge boost once Shaq Leonard does return, whether it's this week, whether it's week three, week four, whenever it is. But still, with that said, we talked about on Sunday, George. You knew he was not most likely going to play anyway. Week number one, he's been out all of training camp. All the guys got the necessary reps they needed in order to prevent these miscommunications, in order to kind of better be prepared for week number one. And still we're sitting here talking about mental mistakes and still talking about blown coverages that led to two touchdowns. Yep, it can't happen. I mean, it's nope. just that simple. It can't happen. And Yannick Ngakwe, too, is a guy that he was the heralded pass rusher coming in for the Colts in the offseason. And really it was MIA. It was Quiddy Pay that was the only really defensive end that was getting some sort of consistent pressure and ended up getting two sacks. But otherwise, Yannick Ngaku was kind of a, a man nowhere to be found. Yeah, I mean, he had a tough matchup going against Laramie Tunsil, but he's got to win it at time. You can't be completely shut out. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I give him that. It was a tough matchup for him, but you've got to you, – you still have to show up somewhere. You have to do something. Uh, I think he did have a tackle for loss at one point, but, you know, it, it was a really quiet game from him. That can't happen. Now – that being said, while we're talking about defensive line, I want to throw it in there real quick because really I don't think he's got enough credit. Grover Stewart was a monster on Sunday. And when yes. we talk about guys who saved, you know, maybe a potential loss, that third and one tackle where he got the the tackle for loss on, on yep. the run, uh, Lovey Smith decides to punt there instead. 
you know, we could be having a very different conversation without that play as well. So kudos to while we're talking about things who didn't show up, kudos to Grover Stewart because he absolutely he did. 100% right there. Good call by you, George. So you have a guy who showed up in before the game. His paycheck, you know, showed up big time. That was Quentin Nelson, uh, Colts All-Pro guard. Got paid in a historic way. Four-year, $80 million extension. $60 million guaranteed. Record $20 million average annual value. Look, Jim Mercer called this guy a generational player. If that's the case, and I, I agree with the Colts owner, you pay a generational player, whether it's a quarterback or whether it's a guard. Yeah, I don't have any problem paying uh, Quentin Nelson. It's what it took to bring him back. You don't let that guy go. I would rather right. pay him $20 million a year than watch him play for somebody else. And, and I think that's that's your options there. So uh, now, does the offensive line with all the money that's out there now with, with Nelson and Smith and Kelly, do they need to, to be better than that? Yeah, this, this has to be a top five offensive line, probably a top three offensive line, honestly, for what they're being paid. And so, you know, they, they know that. And they're another look. This is not the first year the offensive line looked bad in week one. You don't lose right. or go winless in nine straight week one games because your offensive <laughs> line's excellent. You know what I mean? Uh, they've they've improved over the year. It's it's another thing that needs that. You just can't count on that happen. That's the thing. I can sit here and say, hey, red zone offenses can get better, and secondary can get better, and linebackers can get better, and the offensive line can get better. But it doesn't just happen. It you need to make right. it happen. And one of the ways to make it happen is by keeping one of those generational players on the line, especially, too, when you look at with the way Bernard Ryman played on Sunday, you basically have a six-man rotation, let's just call it that, right, right, George, with three yep. new guys. It's three established veterans, like you said, and three new guys working their way in. You need, you know, that's one another reason why you keep Quentin Nelson. The pay, the paychecks mean does not matter in terms of, you know, uh, resetting the market because he is a guy, even though it's an interior guard position, Absolutely worth the money. I think it sets the right precedent, too, for the rest of the team that that's a guy who has done everything you asked of him. You want to pay him and reward him. As long as you are doing your job, the position does not matter. They will pay you you know, the, the requisite paycheck for sure. So I think it's a, a great momentum sender for the Colts. I think it's a great message as well, uh, keeping a guy like Quentin Nelson around and paying him, doing whatever it takes to pay him. But now, like you said, the, the guy, Ryan Kelly has been paid. Braden Smith is there. Quentin Nelson's there. Let's go. Like the investments have been made. Like I said, now it's time to start reaping the rewards and have this offense get back to a consistency that we saw for a large part of 2020 and a large part of 2021. Yeah, it has to happen. I mean, it, and and you see it. I mean, if you go back through the entire Frank Reich era, and it, he and Chris Bauer have been upfront about this from day one. When the offensive line plays well, this team plays well. Mm -hmm. When the offensive line doesn't play well, there's trouble. I mean, Chris Ballard from the opening press conference has made no bones about trying to strengthen and fortify the interior lines, offensive and defensive line, uh, and try to fortify the trenches as much as possible. He's put a lot of capital draft-wise, put a lot of money um, as well into those offensive and defensive lines. He's doing everything, like you said, to make sure that those are the two strengths because you're right. When the offensive line's playing well and the defensive line's playing well, that is when the Colts are playing some good football. So quickly here, George, to wrap up the pod. The, the one good thing that happened to the Colts on Sunday was that the AFC South lived up to its reputation. Colts and Texans tie. Jaguars lose. Titans lose. And now for the first time since 2013, I, I'm saying this facetiously, but also sort of serious here, to look at any positive. The Colts are somehow tied for first place, and it's not because everyone is 0-1. It is that is the only positive for the Colts that they are somehow still in a position to where they benefited despite tying the Texans. 
best start since 2013. No question. Holy about cow. That. <laughs> but that it, it, it also underscores how bad this performance was. Because if you win, you're one and oh, and the rest of the division's oh and one, and you feel like you can go and, and maybe start to put your foot on the neck of the division a little bit in Jacksonville. Now you're at a situation where it's reset, you know, because look, you lose to Jacksonville, they're at least tied for first place, and yep. you're, you know, probably tied for last. So you've got to go and and look the, the Jacksonville game we said about week one who starts spinning this ahead to the next pod it's a must win must win absolutely must win and like you said too we saw it on Sunday and I think Sunday's a microcosm of what could be the entire season for the Colts when it comes to the division Colts allowed a bad team to hang around on Sunday they ended up tying they got lucky to leave the game with a tie you allow a bad division to hang around where you can't run away at this division early on if the Titans are as bad as we think they're going to be and Losing Daniel Jones the way they did, not great sign. Uh, and having Carson Wentz, if you're the Jaguars, come back. Or well, first of all, uh, of course, George, as if tying the Texans wasn't bad enough. Then Carson Wentz had to come out for the Commanders, throw two fourth quarter touchdowns, including one with under two minutes left to Deshaun, uh, Dehan Jot, uh, Dotson to win the game for the Commanders. Where was that last year at any point? You know, outside of really the Arizona game. Where was a nice clutch drive from Carson Wentz that ended with a touchdown throw when you need him? And here in his first game in Washington, marches right down the field and leads the commanders to victory. I guess it does help the Colts in the end because the Jaguars uh, left with a loss. But it is just yep. ironic. But it goes back to the bigger point. This division is not very good. A lot of people nationally have said it. We we see this division. It's not very good on paper. But the longer you allow a team like the Titans to kind of hang around or the Jaguars, if they feel extra spunky to hang around, that's what you just put yourself, but you know, you're putting your back against the wall and making it harder to now run away with this division and clinch what you should be doing because you allow early on the season to not take care of your business. And when you leave, let bad teams hang around or allow okay teams hang around, they're going to take advantage. Yeah. I mean, look, they're tied for the division lead with the Texans. That says it all. You know, what I mean, <laughs> that, that says it all. That should not be the situation. Um, you could spin it positive because it could be worse. But everything about this week one was a, a giant missed opportunity. And I think now you've got to go out and correct that in week two. Absolutely. And I guess you're right back on the horse. That's the good thing, right, George? You had one streak that you could have had broken. You failed. Well, now at least you get right back on the horse going down to what is a house of horrors in Jacksonville, as you get said, for week number two to maybe end that streak. That'll be a very fun pod coming to you uh, in a few days from now as we'll get ready for week number two, see if the Colts can finally get in the win column here in 2022. But between now and then, follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. George, we're going to try this again the next pod. We asked and we thought, will a streak finally come to an end in week number one? We were 0 for 1 there. We'll see the next time the Blue Horseshoe does return. Will we end streak number two? So stay tuned for that. Between now and then, make sure to like and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcast.